Hey, what is going on? Welcome to this episode number 116 of Life and Lessons. This week, you're going to hear a conversation I had with Ollie Horton. And if you've listened before, then you know who Ollie is. But this time around, we do something a little bit different because, as you'll know, Ollie is a personal trainer. But very soon, he's going to disappear for a while to become an officer in the British Army. And so, just before he does that, I wanted to pull him to one side to get all of the knowledge and all of the expertise that he has on how you can go about beginning your fitness journey, how you can go about having a healthier and a happier life based on the fundamentals that he lives by and that he's taught. And so, in this episode, you're going to learn exactly how to build the kind of mindset that you need to get into a fitness journey and make it sustainable and successful through to how to go about choosing a gym, the mind frames that you need to be in when you go to the gym, training programs, calories, nutrition, how to lose weight, how to gain muscle, whatever it is that you need to know when it comes to just basically starting your fitness journey from the ground floor up just to get started, just to get some momentum that is covered in this hour. And so if you've been thinking this year is the year that you're actually going to take control of your fitness this is the year that you're going to be really proactive with your health, then this is the episode for you. But just before we get into it, if you're new here, do make sure that you're subscribed to Life and Lessons on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you're listening right now. There are so many more great conversations coming up in the near future and I don't want you to miss them. But in the meantime, here it is, episode number 116 of Life and Lessons with Ollie Horton. Cool. So, Ollie Horton, thank you for being here again. Mate, it's the trilogy, isn't it? The trilogy. I'm excited. But this time, not that the first two weren't useful, because they were definitely useful for us, but this time I want to use your knowledge and your expertise in a slightly selfish way for those listening to this, because I know that you're off to... Uh, in fact, tell me, what are you off to do? What's what's changing in your life? Well, um, I'm actually coming away from personal training for the time being and joining the army full-time as an officer i managed to get into to sandhurst which is like the well i guess they could call it the best leadership school in the world but it's basically just where you train to become a military officer so that's where i will be going so i've taken a little sidestep away from my training i'll still be training myself obviously like i have to keep fit but actually coaching one-to-one i'll take a step away from that for a while same with the podcasting whilst focus on that training and then hopefully at some point in the future, I can I can swoop back in and uh, give it another shot. But yeah, for now, my whole life is just sort of in limbo. Uh, I've moved house, all of that changes. So yeah, it's a pretty tricky time. How did um, I'm intrigued because I actually don't know the context. Of it. How did this come about? Because last time we chatted, no, the first time we chatted was basically day one of full time personal training. The second time we chatted, I know you mentioned that you were was you were a reservist. You were kind of looking at it. It's almost like every time we talk, you're just a completely different person. So how did this? How did this chapter come about? I feel like you're uh, you're following me very closely through my journey. It's like we have like chats to each each segment of my life. Um, do you know what it was? Um, with the whole reservist thing, it's almost like imagine you're just dipping your toe, like in the water, and you just get a feel for it, and then over time you're like, oh, I could, I could, I could get involved in this. But the problem with the army is they have, and rightly or wrongly, I think it's quite a good thing they have like age cut off. So if I didn't do it now, it would be, um, I wouldn't be able to do it because I'm at the top end of the age bracket. So 
I thought, yeah, let's give it a shot, see what happens. And I think it's it's a good decision. Like with the whole personal training thing, there isn't an age limit on it, so I can come back and hopefully with a bit more experience further down the line, if I come back, then uh, then I will be better. But yeah, for now it's it was just one of them. I just thought, why not? And I think decisions like that they they come around so often in your life, and you can sometimes just pass them by without thinking about them. But I just thought, no, fuck it, let's go for it. Let's see what happens. Do you know what I love about you? When we had that first chat and you were talking about becoming a personal trainer, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but the story was basically you sat on your sofa and your girlfriend at the time said, why don't you do that? And you were like, yeah, fuck it, why not? And now you're about to become an officer in the army because the decision was, yeah, fuck it, why not? (laughs) Do you know who, actually, weirdly, these decisions come at weird points in my life. So I was on uh, my best friend who was also an officer in the army i was at one of their like parties that they had and i was chatting to someone else there and i was like oh i'm thinking of doing it but i don't know i think i'm a bit old and he just looked at me dead in the eye and he just went age is never an issue and at that moment i was like i've got i was like fuck it let's do it and it's like these weird little conversations i have which steer me throughout life sure but yeah it's weird maybe everyone can either take something from that either they don't make drastic decisions or make drastic decisions and see what happens I know you've had some in your life. So that's a really interesting segue because you've done me a massive favour by helping me land this first question now because what I want to talk about today is the entire framework of um, kind of feeling like you're not very fit and healthy and active and kind of doing the things you want to do and how somebody listening to this who identifies with that kind of description can go about getting started. So this isn't turning into a mad power lifter. This is just being a bit more active, right? And I feel like for anybody to begin on that, path whether or not they feel that they want to right this second they need to have one of those kind of why moments where uh, something goes off in their mind where they think this is the moment when i switch how do you recommend somebody decides whether they're actually ready for that yet i think there's a few things and i don't like please interrupt me if i start rambling but i get quite passionate about this stuff um so i'll, I'll try to keep it short and sweet but I think there's there's multiple reasons why why people want to become fitter, but you can only do it when you're ready to do it. And I think a common mistake a lot of people make is they'll go, right, 1st of January or 1st of February or Monday, I'm going to start this. But they're not actually fully in it. They're just doing it because they think they should do it. And what I recommend is, and I had a podcast about this and someone else said it. I, I'm going to mess this up because I can't remember who said it, but you're meant to ask yourself why seven times and around the 5th, time of asking yourself why you'll get to the actual underlying reason so for example people come to me in the gym and i'll go oh, i want to lose weight and i'll be like why oh because i want to fit in a pair of jeans i haven't fitted in for 10 years okay why and eventually you get to the underlying factor that you know they were happy 10 years ago and they're not happy now and they want to fit in those jeans or whatever it may be but i think a, a really good place to start and some people like writing it down or just literally sit there and just ask yourself why you want to do something and then when you find that reason, it's so much easier to create like a lifestyle or a training program or habits that fit in around that rather than just going, I want to be fitter because it's that's so like it's so subjective. And it's just like, well, where do you finish? If you say I want to become a size 10 or I want to fit in 32 inch jeans. Brilliant. Then what? There's no there's no end goal. The goal, the goalpost just keeps shifting. You need to have a I'm not going to say you need a specific goal. You don't. But. You need to have a real reason why you're doing it to ingrain those habits. 
I hope that makes sense. 100% that's really interesting. Where did your why begin then? Because I imagine that everybody's why shifts a bunch of times throughout life as they go. I mean, you're a perfect example, right? Your goals have very much changed. And so suddenly being fit is, I mean, being fit was your paycheck before and it's now incredibly important with what you're about to go and do. I imagine it's different to your original why, but how did you arrive at your original why when you're like, you know what, I'm going to take this, this fitness thing seriously. I mean, as an individual, not as a personal trainer. I, what I'm about to say, I think... I would argue that 90% of personal trainers have the same issue, is that it all started with a body dysmorphia issue, which a confidence slash body dysmorphia issue. So you you have this issue where you don't feel like you don't look good, even though you look good and you're fit and you're healthy and you're robust. You you see people, social media, magaz- it was magazines for me back in the day because I'm old. But it's like you look at magazines and you see people with six packs winning shows or um, Steve Cook, prime example, Sean Stafford. You see them and like they're chiseled Greek gods and you're like, I want to look like that. But you train and train and train and you you don't even realize it's unattainable. So then you train more and more and more and you become like upset. I don't like to use, I'm sorry, I don't like to use the term obsessed as a bad thing because I don't think it is. But you become so ingrained in this. I need to look like that to be happy that you almost end up just living this like fitness lifestyle but then what happens weirdly is you come out the other side and you realize actually I can look good without sacrificing too much and then you're like oh it's taken me six years to get to that point if I became a personal trainer I could tell someone that and it only take them two months to get out of their rut and that's basically how I fell into it, is it took me so long to get away from this issue that I had with my body that I was like, I can actually help people get over this quicker and actually just be like, look, you don't need to do that. And all those mistakes, I suppose it's the same with like business course and stuff like learn from my mistakes and then you won't have to go through it all. But people think when you say that you're just being a charlatan, but you're not. Some people are, but I'm trying not to. <laughs> I think it's important that people realize that what you see on it's so cliched now what you see on instagram or the tv or films or something you don't need to look like that to be happy as long as you're fit and you're healthy and you can do what you need to do i don't see a problem if you have children you don't need a fucking six pack and all of that as long as you can like play with them all day and not be knackered that for me is a win or like for yourself as long as you can go through a full day of work without like slumping and energy crashes and living off Red Bull, like that's a win. And it's so it's so subjective and relative to individuals that that's what they need to focus on is their own little own little race rather than comparing all the time. Because that's what I did and that's what I fucked up on is just constantly comparing. And so if we're helping people shrink down that six-year mammoth mountain that they have in front of them right now into a few months within which time they can kind of get started and kind of understand what they're doing, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you made in those six years or that you've seen your personal training clients make that you think people really need to avoid? Yeah, that's a tough question. Okay, let's... Let's assume. Uh, let's assume that, that that whoever's listening to this already has their their why sorted. So that would obviously be number one. But I'm going to assume 
that yeah, they've already got that wire sorted so that's they're in this journey okay so like let's say they're getting married in three months right that's nipped they've, they've got their reason to work out so the first thing i'd say is don't we literally spoke about this before we came on air but don't try and just go from naught to 100 if you if you haven't worked out regularly for say i don't know five years you cannot go from doing nothing to five six days a week straight away that's all that will happen it's just unsustainable you'll just crash you'll be able to do it for two or three four weeks and then you'll be like nah so i would say start slow would be my number one i would say just i sometimes like using steps but what i would say is just try and be outside more like don't actively go i'm going to get 10,000 steps just be like i'm gonna go outside for a bit because for me that it sort of plays into each other if you're outside more you will naturally move more so i always said that to my clients i was like just try and get outside as much as you can if you can nick 20 minutes in the morning 10 minutes at lunch half an hour in the evening all of a sudden you're outside for an hour more a day than what you were and i can guarantee in that hour you're not going to be sat there on the ground on your phone you'll be actively like you'll be moving a bit more so i'd say that's the second one and i'd say the third one it sounds so simple but just drink more water <sighs> because exactly like you're doing now is it's amazing how many people don't and then from that you will naturally eat a little bit less you'll probably sleep a bit better you're more hydrated you're more alert less coffee it all sort of feeds in so my top three would be those three but obviously like the list is as long as you are on what to do but if someone's starting out i would say those three things would be good and so the person listening right now they've decided their why um they've got a, a fairly good idea of the kind of things they need to cut out or do more of as a foundation now i imagine and correct me if i'm wrong here that there are going to be two groups of people um and i'm more interested perhaps in the second because there's more hesitancy there right the first is someone who's been to the gym before and they just kind of slipped out of it because something happened in life and so they stopped going they're all good they know where the gym is they know how to get there they're comfortable walking in but lots of people and i know that i was definitely like this back in like 2019 when i first stepped foot in a gym before I even needed to care about my workout plan, before I even needed to care what that machine over there did, I was worried about the machine in my head, which was having a fucking breakdown about the idea of having to go in a gym. How do you help people overcome that that inertia of just finding the confidence to step in that building before they do anything? I think, again, I don't think you can force it. I think you have to be ready in yourself to do it. So you you have to be re like you have to go right. I'm gonna go to the gym today. You can't just be like you have to be ready in yourself. I I know I keep saying it, but that's that's the first thing. But a couple of things you can do to help that is if you have a really like good friend who actively goes a lot to the gym. That's quite a good place to start because they're like they just sort of it makes you feel at home you feel comfortable they can show you a couple of bits and the first couple of times you go to the gym it doesn't really matter what you're doing that like it really doesn't it's more of a confidence builder so don't worry about that just just try and get in and do 20 minutes 30 minutes and then come out and then that's a win because that doesn't feel like a failure then um or 
you know, use Instagram. You know, you can use um, like the search tool, the location tool on Instagram, find local gyms in your area and, and look at what they're doing. Because gyms nowadays, if they're not putting, you know, videos daily on their Instagram, probably not the place you want to go. Like the ones who are actively looking to be better and looking to lead will always have like stories of their classes and stuff. And you can get a feel for the gym without actually stepping in it. And you could even message them, you know, what sort of classes do you do? Can I come and try one out? Again, classes are a great place to start because you can actively have like a dialogue with the gym owner and say, look, I'm a bit nervous. And you could do it hiding behind a screen in essence. You know, you don't have to talk to them face to face. I'm a bit nervous. I'm not really sure what I'm doing. And they can go, yeah, no worries. Come down 10 minutes before. We'll have a chat. You know, there's other people who have done nothing and stuff like that. So that's number two. And obviously the third one is get a PT. Again, that can be quite scary for people because they're not sure who. So again, excuse me you can use instagram you can use facebook you can you can see who you're who you're going to work with in essence and i think obviously i did it i know you do it it's nowadays if if pcs aren't talking to the camera they're going to lose out on sales and this isn't me being a fucking business guru because i'm not but for me if, if a client came to me and said oh i saw you on your instagram stories like i, I really feel like we work together that's better so I would say, yeah, use use what you have at your disposal. Use your social media. Ask around the local community and, and find a gym. If you are nervous about going, find a gym that you can relate to and that has sort of like the same ethos as you. Uh, there's one that I go to now, or I've been uh, worked at in the past, and then I know there's like March On have a great Instagram account as well. And those gyms, they make a community online and then it draws people into the gym and it makes it feel like a very safe space. So, yeah, that's what I'd say. I know I went around the houses there. No, that was interesting. And um, not to directly contradict what you just said, but something to add to that, which I found super helpful in those first few months of trying to find it. I mean, I'm split between Corby and Wales anyway, so I had to really find two gyms. And um, my biggest fear factor back then was I didn't want to walk into a gym and feel like it was obvious that I was the new guy, if that made sense. And so there were free gyms that I tried over that period. And the one that really stuck, it was only a pure gym. I'm not saying it's incredible, but the one that really stuck, I think there's an interesting reason for it. If you're somebody who is fearing going into the gym for the first time, because it feels like people are looking at you. And that is that in the council gym here in Wales, which I joined um, a big valleys welsh man gave me an induction and asked all these awkward questions. And there was like a physical human barrier. And that felt, like a big fucking deal to overcome didn't like that the second one was i joined terrible idea i joined an anytime fitness through groupon and you go in there and before you're even allowed into the gym there's like uh, not only a human but a human selling to you and like trying to get you to join this direct debit thing for 12 months and la 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 but then the pure gym thing and i'm sure there are a bunch of other um, commercial gym chains out there who do this you sign up online you don't speak to anyone you type in your little code you go in nobody chats to you and nobody actually knows it's your first time there so you can then take it at your own pace that way i know it's the complete opposite advice to what you gave but for me personally as somebody who was definitely way more introverted back then having that cloak of anonymity to just slide in without having to talk to anyone that really helped no absolutely and i think it's finding what works for you so what works for the individual and i think that's what the most important thing is and some people prefer that class structure and training with other people and some people prefer doing it on their own and if you can find what works for you then then fucking brilliant crack on with that so 
let's say our listener has gone to the gym. They've been a couple of times. They got some confidence and now they're like, right, okay, well, I have this big why. I have this big goal and I have no bloody idea how to reach it. And we'll come on to diet and nutrition shortly because I appreciate that that's probably the biggest piece of the puzzle. But in this backwards way that I structured the questions, let's talk about a training routine first, right? You can Google weight loss training routine and there's like 2.1 million results. Build muscle training routine, fucking loads of results. And everything says something different right every result is trying to be unique and trying to kind of pull on this different mechanism to tell you that this is the way to do it so you kind of subscribe to this ideology let's strip it right back somebody wants to lose a bit of weight and gain a bit of muscle and they got a few months to do it how should they be attacking that i like you say there's there's a million ways to skin a cat but for me i run off two principles i run off consistency so the more you can do it the better that's not saying you have to do it seven days a week but that is full body train your full body three times a week done and the second one is what i call the kiss principle which is like keep it simple stupid like and the problem is is simplicity doesn't sell so you go like you say so let's go a male and a female example male how to build a bigger chest female how to to build a bigger bum Sorry if I'm being misogynistic. Don't mean to be. That's just the way it is. Right? So you have these people on Instagram, both sides, you know, sign up to my 12-week chest building program. And they're just, all, all they're doing is rebranding something to sell it. The same with these women who try and, you know, grow big and glutes and they're happy doing these stupid fucking banded exercise on a ste- air stepper. And it's like, you don't need to do that. The way I see it is train your full body. So instead of thinking about muscles, think about movements. So a squat, like a hinge, so lift something off the floor, like pull something towards you, push something away from you, lift something above your head, pull something down from above, and then just get strong in those movements rather than thinking, I'm going to do chest press, inclined flies, lower fly, all that shit. Just pick like five or six movements that cover all the major movements and then just get strong in them over two to three sets and then just do that three times a week and i would say if you live by that model for the first even three to four years of your training maybe two to three years of your training you won't go far wrong and then sleep enough and so before we come on to calorie expenditure um i want to and this this may be a complete misconception of mine but something that i have observed over the years is that there's this weird i think misconception about how you lose weight right which is you see people who go into the gym and we can assume their targets i want to lose weight and they just do cardio they just walk on a treadmill for 45 minutes now i'm not saying that's a bad thing but do you think there's a case to be made or is there a case to be made for the fact that actually progressive overload training is good for all and doing a stairmaster twice a week isn't as effective as perhaps society has told us it is does that make sense like it seems to be there are two camps of people a group of people who are like let me build a body they go and do weight training and a group of people who think okay well i need to lose weight and instagram's told me that the way to lose weight is kind of ultra marathon so i'm going to do that on a treadmill does that make sense i think yeah no 100 percent. but i think there's i think there's a case to be made for both camps really and i think what we're seeing in the fitness industry now is a, is a shift towards what we call this mixed modality training 
which encompasses both over an hour period. So you look to get strong and do your your aerobic work in the same sort of in the same session. And if I talk from personal experience, I've fallen into both camps in the past, one that just does cardio, one that just lift weights. And I think there's definitely a case to be made for having both in. Like if you want to get bigger, you will find it much easier if you have a good cardiovascular base to begin with. And likewise, if you want to lose weight, you will find it easier and probably more sustainable if you lift weights. So I would always, always, always recommend to get a little bit of both in there if you can. But you're right, you don't need to be spending two, three hours a week on a, on a stepper or, you know, running five miles a day to lose weight. If you like running, then run. If you like rowing, then row. If you like squatting, then squat. But then try and incorporate a little bit of other things as well. But this brings me on to a nice point, and sorry if this is a bit of a segue, but what a lot of people forget as well is that you don't just have to go to the gym in order to be fit and healthy. And what I mean by that is find what works for you. Like if you love playing squash, then fucking play squash. You know, if you love if you love to go out in the hills hiking, then do that. Like you don't have to go to the gym and stand on a treadmill in order to like win in the fitness game. Like just do what you enjoy and then have to do a little bit of what you don't enjoy just to get that nice rounded approach to it. But yeah, I definitely think there's a case to be made for, for both cardio and weights. And so I want to come onto this later, but I'm going to dip into it now because you've just said something which resonates, which is there are things in the gym, <laughs> namely things from the waist up, which are fine for me. Don't mind them. Easy. Walk in, have a great time. And there are other days in the gym, namely from the waist down, where I'm like, fuck this. And I'll do everything to put it off. And it just, it just feels miserable. Right. Um, and I have yet to overcome the, <laughs> the the resistance that my brain gives me on those days and I'm it's different for everyone right I speak to some people and they're like oh my god I hate trading arms I'm like we talking about so I do in the gym um how do you go about um teaching yourself to be better at just sucking up the bad days is there any methods that you found over the years weirdly no <laughs> I think I don't think there is but I think it makes the good days more fun knowing that you've done it what i tended to to do and more so i do now is to do the hardest things at the beginning of the week so i'll always train legs on a monday just purely i don't know why i don't know if it's like a a weird placebo effect but i just think if you get it if you do it on a monday it just sort of i don't know it makes a week makes a week's training flow a bit nicer because you're not doing them trying to do them on a friday when you're tired you know, nine times out of ten, you're, you're probably more rested on a Monday than what you are on a Friday. So I would say try to do the hardest things at the beginning of the session. And this is the beauty of, of training full body in a singular session and not just legs. Is you can be like, oh, I've got three sets of squats, but that'll only take me ten minutes. And then, then I'm doing bench press so I can just get them out of the way. And you can sort of you can sort of cheat a workout by training everything in one session because you're not going in going, I have an hour of legs and I really don't want to do it so I won't do anything you'll go I can manage 10 minutes of squats or two sets of squats and that's like a win because if I do that excuse me if I do that three times a week that's a win because let's face it it's usually legs that people don't like to train isn't it and it's usually like the quads that people don't like because it hurts and it does but if you can sort of cheat by doing you know a little bit at the beginning 
two to three sets and do that three times a week, it doesn't really matter what else you do because you've just won. Do you know something else that I've found to be useful? Actually, really recently, so my friend Chloe called me out a few months ago when I was like, it's mad because I do a bench press and I can't do more than 35 kg ever. And it's been the same for like three years. And she's like, chatting shit. Yes, you can. It's just in your head. And so I gave it a go and I'm up to like like 55 now, I think. And um, the second I started to gamify it, the same with squats, gamifying it, the same with leg press, gamifying it. Like, mm -hmm. I don't actually believe I can do X. So I've got to fucking force myself to do X. It's unbelievable how much more it's almost like I have skin in the game and I'm not just inflicting suffering on myself, but actually I'm leaning into a target that I have. And those micro targets, as arbitrary as they are, because frankly, I don't fucking care what I can bench press. Like I don't, it makes no difference to my life. However, when I'm in those four walls in the gym, it means everything because it's a little goal I've had. No, I, I completely agree. And I think that's where that's where like following a, a program, no matter how simple it, it is, um, can really help. Because you're actively going, oh, so I hit I hit 60 for five this week. So if I can do 62 and a half for five or 60 for six, or if I can slow the reps down or whatever it is, any form of progression. Because let's remember that progressions don't just have to be numerical. They can be, you can get a few more reps or you can do another set or you can just slow the reps right down. So if you can do five reps at say 50, and you can do them quite quickly. If you slow them down so you're lowering that weight over four seconds, that's a progression in itself because you've suddenly made the set four times as long. So all of those intricate little progressions that you make should always be clusters wins. It doesn't always have to be more weight, more weight, more weight. So like just slow it all right down. But I know what you mean, like those little, those little wins, unbelievable to think about. And the feeling you get when you do that it's just seconds to none, isn't it? When you hit that PB. I know we had this conversation the other day. I did a pull-up for the first time the other day and I was gassed for a week. Like there's nobody I didn't tell I just did a pull-up. And it's ridiculous because like I say, when you're outside of those four walls, like I told Richard, my business partner, and he's like, oh, okay, cool. But I'm like, are you mad? Like, and it's just funny because I probably went, oh, it would have been between the two lockdowns when I was in the gym, but I didn't, I wasn't really following a program. And so there wasn't any like, detailed recorded progressive overload that i just kind of hit this rut and maybe you know the people listening to this are going to be a few months too early to want this advice now but it'd be interesting to talk uh, or hear your thoughts on the importance of tracking everything you do in the gym the importance of constantly pushing that needle so that you don't do what i did which is become convinced that like this number on the bar is what i can lift so i should never lift more and then just don't progress and then get bored and then stop going I, I'm sort of in two camps on this, and I'm I don't mean to sit on the fence. So I've done both, where I've tracked everything religiously, and then I've been where I've tracked nothing, and I I really do think there's a case to be made of somewhere in the middle, because I don't believe that, you know, Joe Bloggs who works forty five hours a week has two kids, you know, has quite a stressful life to begin with and just wants to get a bit fitter i don't believe they have to to track everything i just think there's there's a case to be made for tracking some things but not everything and what i like to do and this is just me personally is each session i'll have just one key movement so a key lift i call it um it could be like say a squat or a bench press or a pull up or a deadlift and that's the one thing for that session that i track and then the rest of it, I just go off feel. 
And so I come into the gym and I could be like, oh, feeling pretty beat up today. I'm just going to really attack this set of squats, try and beat last week, and then I'm just going to do a little bit of anything for the rest of the session. And I think just by stripping it right down and just having that one thing that you can track, it really reduces the, the mental stress and the overwhelm as well. Because if you go into a full session and you're literally trying to track the exact reps and sets that you did on a bicep curl last week, you're just going to stress yourself out. And it's all right if fucking professional bodybuilders say that because that's their job. They live and breathe it and they're, they're a different breed. But if you, as a, a standard civilian, I don't, I don't personally believe you need to track everything. I think you need to have an understanding of what you lifted on those big compound lifts, what we call those multi-joint lifts. And then if you can progress them over time, then fantastic. But don't worry about, yeah, like I said, what you're doing for bicep curls or, you know, sit-ups or something. It's just that stuff is, is pretty irrelevant. Do you know what's really interesting about that? So as somebody who has for a few months tracked every single rep at every single weight on every single movement, every single day I go to the gym, you've just said something there that has stuck out so much as bloody true and yet I've never noticed it, which is like if I'm trying to do a squat and I want the weight to be a bit higher than a few weeks ago. That makes sense. And if it doesn't go that way, it also makes sense because it's a big movement. And I understand that my body can't really cope with that and la la la. If I'm doing like bicep curls, that's that's actually the one. If I'm doing bicep curls, um, and maybe I had a set of twelve last week and it was fine, it was cool, and I've only squeezed out eight, rather than I mean, A, you make a good point. There's actually really no need to to record that in that much detail in my case. But B, because I know I didn't reach it, although it's like such a granular movement and exercise i'm like what the fuck and I, I leave the gym feeling a failure it's mad because i've never clocked that and that's what it is if you feel like you failed even though you haven't because the win in itself is going to the gym and pushing yourself that is the win you've gone to the gym and you've it doesn't matter if you've lifted the same issues last week it's the fact that you've been but you come your way thinking i only did seven bars of curls when last week i did nine there's so many variables that can cause that. And the fact that you come away feeling beat up, it says it all really, doesn't it? Like, And that's why I say like stuff like that, just, just have a bit of fun with things like that. You know, just have a bit of fun with your arms and stuff and, and just worry about the big lifts and it will make your, your gym going experience a lot smoother and a lot better consistently over time, which is what we're always aiming for. And so is there... Um, whether you're doing full body or splitting it in some ways, are a case to be made for big important lifts first and then the shit that you're not really recording but would like to do afterwards. So like focus on the big things, then squeeze out what you can. Is that right? No. Oh my God. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I think it's important to be adequately... It's going to sound like such like a PE teacher thing to say, but it is important to be adequately... like mentally and physically prepared before you hit those lifts so a warm-up isn't just about your body being warm it's also about like being in the right place mentally like you're in the quote-unquote zone can't believe i just said that but you are so i think there's a there's a case we made for whatever that big lift is doing a lot of the same movement but very light weights to begin with just to get your mind like thinking okay i'm going to do this i'm going to do this and then building up into it slowly so don't walk into the gym fresh out the car and just try and whack like 70 kilos on a bar and try and squat it 
because that just won't end well like build up nice and slowly but yeah always do always do your biggest first because they're the most dangerous and they require the most you know mental sort of capacity in order to listen you you actually you require more a lot of a lot of brain power in order to do like a squat it's not just a case of moving up and down you're thinking right i have to keep my core tight i have to keep that bar in that position i have to keep my foot stance like this like it's a lot going on and to try and do that at the end of a session after you've done x y and z is is pretty hard so yeah always do them always do them at the beginning and then as you get towards the end of a session think about like areas like think about safe exercises or things that aren't going to hurt you you know like bicep curls like if you can't lift a dumbbell you're just going to drop it aren't you it's not really gonna to injure anyone whereas like if you're squatting and you can't lift that that bar's coming down on you and you're getting crushed so yeah always do the the most risky exercises first and then the easier ones at the back end of a, of a workout definitely i had an interesting piece of advice the other day from a friend of mine will who i didn't realize he's only been going to the gym for years he's absolutely fucking wham if he's listening the big old boy um but he said that something that he's done for these bigger lifts um almost as a mental warm-up and that's how i got into this in my mind just now because it's something i've never really considered but you and him have both said something similar now in the space of a week he will um do literal visualization like he's lying on a bench and he's about to pick up a bar and it's heavy and he's never lifted this before and he'll literally close his eyes and imagine the rep going really well and tell himself that this is only slightly heavier than before and he did it last time and all of this kind of mental acrobatics which seems so detached from a physical lifting of an object and yeah it sounds like both of you are saying actually the mentality is just important as the physicality i think i think to an extent it is definitely because i think you're putting yourself you're putting yourself in that sort of scenario before you've actually done it i know formula one drivers have, have been notoriously like documented in lying there on the floor and going through each turn and I guess the the case, I know that's quite an extreme example, but I guess the case could be made. You know, if you visualize your gym session before you go into it, you're probably going to have a, a better session because you're not just standing there going, what am I going to do next? You know, in your head, you've like, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this, I'm going to lift this on this, this on this, that's over there. I need that bit of equipment. So that is, it's just reducing all that overwhelm and it's just giving you that mental clarity so you can just focus on the task at hand. And I, whether it's placebo or not, I do think that's that's sort of true. And, you know, you see a lot of power lifters do it. You know, they really hype themselves up before the lift. And, you know, they're getting people to slap them on the back and stuff. And and I guess there is a case to be made for that sort of aggression and that visualization and all of it going into that one into that one movement. So, yeah, I would say so. And so diet is, of course, arguably the biggest component in all of this, whether somebody's looking to lose weight or... Uh, build muscle or just have better balanced energy throughout the day to speak to some of the examples that you used before um i feel like not to sound like i'm parroting james smith because <laughs> i often parrot james smith however um i feel like society as a whole exactly i feel like society as a whole has a misconception as to how you actually go about eliciting weight loss or weight gain right and um, I don't know how he'll feel about me using this example, but I was talking to my brother a few months ago and we were talking about, it was literally in January when I started revisiting, like actually tracking my food and all this stuff. Um, and he was like, oh, it looks like you gained a bit of weight. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I've just been like, I'd showed him what I was doing. Like this is my protein target, just kind of following the rest with macros. And I'm like, that's how um, like weight ate 
and weight loss works. Like if you ever want to lose weight, you just do this. You just have a few less calories than your maintenance level if you ever want. And he was like, he's like, what? It's like, no, it, I, it, there's not like a, a program and a method and a shit. He didn't actually say this, but his, his answer was suggesting like, it's not that simple. And I'm like, for sure, it's literally just that, right? So let's begin here. Super like ground floor level. How do you go about losing or gaining weight? What are the mechanics of food? Well, firstly, I am no nutritionist. So if I just, I just have to put that in. It's like a caveat that if you are actually struggling, like psychologically, physiologically, then go and actually seek a, a dietitian or a, I should call them a nutritionist really, um, who actually is qualified in this. Like obviously with your level three personal training qualification and all the outside reading that one does you you have an understanding but you're not qualified so that's just a, a little caveat but what i would say for someone who so that how can i go about phrasing this so basically if you think about it you have sort of energy in and energy out and if they're level your your body mass will stay the same and the reason i say body mass is because weight fluctuates throughout the day being it how your sleep has been if you've trained your water your how many times you've been to the toilet whatever stress levels whatever it can be your weight will fluctuate so if your energy levels are the same your body mass will stay the same now if you consume more calories than what you're actively burning through exercise and just generally living then you'll gain a bit of body fat over time and likewise the other way around you will lose a bit of body fat over time now there is an argument that says not that all calories are not equal i think it's a bit of a great i think it's a bit of a dark hole to go down so for the purpose of this if you if you claim that all calories are equal it makes it makes it a lot easier and what you really if we use an example of someone who wants to lose weight what you're actually looking to do is obviously to eat less or your energy to be in a negative balance and you can do that through either a expending more or b eating less now what i would always recommend is either when dieting or trying to lose body fat you want to be eating as much as possible and moving as little as possible so you only ever just want to slightly tip those scales this whole notion of fucking cut 500 calories a day it's bollocks what you want is just like a slight decrease because then that's sustainable over time if if no one no you wouldn't notice now if i took 200 calories off off your daily like food intake so if you think for everything you eat in a day if i just say just don't eat that curly whirly you'd be like oh, i can do that that's all right, i can do that and that's all it is that's all you're actually looking to do is just a slight decrease whereas likewise the other way if you want to put on a bit of muscle you're only looking for a slight surplus you don't want a massive one you just want a real slight surplus but again like there's so many different holes you can go down because i would never ad advocate someone to sort of try and burn off what they're eating if that makes sense so this again this notion of oh, i've eaten i've eaten this cookie now i need to go and burn 500 calories in the gym or i've burnt 500 calories in the gym let me eat that back don't fall into that trap I mean, I don't know how much depth you want to go into on this.
So I think the next logical place to go um, with that understanding in mind is we now know okay. that we need a calorie number, which is either a maintenance, a deficit or a surplus. How do we go about finding that? What is the the basic mechanism and what kind of surplus and or deficit, forgot the word there, should we be aiming for to move progressively but sustainably towards our goals? Again, it's, there's so many, if you type in, you know, what we're looking for is our total daily energy expenditure, which basically takes into account how many calories you need just to live. So if you were to lie in a bed all day and not move, how many calories you need just to survive? Then it takes into account your activity levels. So if we look at someone like a bricklayer or a scaffolder, you know, carrying heavy loads all day, 10 hours a day, every day, they're going to burn a lot throughout that day. Or someone who is very sedentary, we use an office worker, literally the only movement they have is a mouse and a keyboard, etc. I know that's very, you know, bog standard, but if you look at, take those two examples, one's going to be a lot lower than the other. So that's their total daily energy expenditure. And then from there, you want to just, I would always say, if you're looking to lose weight, just take two, 200 off that to begin with. Or if you're looking to gain weight, plus 200. But yeah, so the first thing to do, you can go online, there's so many, and it's just a rough calculation that gives you a starting number. And remember that is just a start. From there, you want to, excuse me, you want to stick to that number for at least two weeks. And that's consistency. That's not three days, have a pizza. Oh, I've done it for three days. You know, let's try and be as consistent as we can for two weeks and see what happens. And then make adjustments as needed. Let's, if we go too extreme too early, all that's going to happen is you're either A, not going to see the results you want because you'll be annoyed. B, you'll fall off a bandwagon because it's too extreme. And then you'll just be like, oh, I give up. So what we want to do is just slightly tip those scales, like I said, and just do it consistently. And then hopefully over time you will see some form of weight loss or weight gain. If we're looking for weight loss, a nice sort of number to look for is sort of half a kilo loss a week because it's enough over time to sort of see a dramatic change. If you're very overweight to begin with, you could probably get away with a kilo a week so it will fall off a lot quicker. But, you know, someone of, I go, quote-unquote, normal build, looking to lose a bit body fat, you're looking at half a kilo a week. And the same if you're looking to gain. Now, obviously, muscle gain is a lot slower, but you can still work off that sort of half a kilo a week upwards. And over time, again, you want to see, you know, that nice continued trajectory. But what you'll actually notice is you'll notice it going up and down, up and down, up and down. But there will be a nice correlation, hopefully, if doing consistency, consistently, sorry. And so here's a question that I didn't plan to ask, but it's a good one, not least because, you know, I, so what I do, I measure my weight every morning, just when I step out of bed, first thing I do, and then trend it over a week and then do the weekly average. Um, how often should somebody who, because I only do it that often because I'm kind of like, I plug a lot of data into a spreadsheet about my life. If somebody just kind of cares a little bit, they just kind of slowly want to lose some weight. How often do you think is a good duration or a good interval by which you should measure your weight and actually take meaning from it, right? Because if it's twice a day, it's not going to mean anything. If it's twice a month, is that too little? Does that make sense? What's the sweet spot? I think I, again, I'm not going to sit on the fence here. There's a lot of, it depends, but it does because it depends on how you can cope with it mentally. 
because I know from talking from my personal experience and other clients I've had, they don't do well with even looking on the scales at all. So we completely take that tool away. And remember, all these things that we use are just tools. There's no perfect way to do anything. So scale weight is just a tool. Now, if you can deal with seeing that number mentally and you don't get too worked up about it, then I would say every other day or every day is perfect. But like you said, then take an average. So you might go, you know, Tuesday to Wednesday, you're like, oh, I fucking gained two pounds. And it's like, oh, brilliant. What did you have for dinner last night? <laughs> you know, <laughs> did you train yesterday? Yeah, so you're going to be a little bit heavier. How was your sleep? Not great. Okay, so you're going to be a bit heavier. So yeah, like you say, take it over five, seven days and then create an average over the week. Now, if you can't deal with that, you know, scale weight mentally, or you struggle to to come to terms with the idea is that you're losing weight or you need to gain weight or whatever, then take pictures because the old saying picture speaks a thousand words is very true and i would say again every you know two to three days the same time and the same lighting if possible you know take a picture and it can be as literal as you know prop your phone on the windowsill set on a timer a front shot and a back shot and a side shot you know in your pants don't have to show anyone but then stick with your gym routine stick with your tracking and then take another one and then another one and then another one I can guarantee that over two months you'll look back on that first one and be like oh fuck and what you might notice is the scale weight has only moved ever so slightly but your pictures are so much different so I would always recommend before even thinking about weighing and stuff like that I'll be like just take take nudes take nudes for yourself because I think that I think that honestly I think they're the best I think they're the best way to track any progression in the gym you can obviously do like tape measurements and stuff. But I guess the answer to your question going around the bush is whatever you choose to do, try to do it as much as you can cope with and then and then look at an average. Look at an average over the course of, you know, two, three months. And that will give you a better indicator than like you say every day. Because every day nothing will change. But over time, that's where you want to see want to see a difference. The pictures one is interesting, actually, because it's, it's something I haven't really done this this time around, right? We call this gymming 2.0 post-lockdown. But before the lockdown, so when I went to the gym for like nine months consistently, um, I took a picture at the very beginning. Obviously, I took some pictures throughout because the PTRs work and we've asked for them once a month or whatever it was. And I took a picture just before I then stopped going consistently. And... And this maybe comes back into the whole, I don't want to say body dysmorphia because it's not that extreme, right? But if you were to kind of do a blind test on me where you sat me down after those nine months and said, have you made any progress? Genuinely, I'd probably say no. Like, I don't think I have. I look in the mirror, I see the same like small guy. When I look at those two pictures now, and I have to use the, the, the caveat that I was probably severely underweight BMI wise on the first picture, it's fucking mental how much changes without you realizing it changes. And so it's almost like you're you're missing out on a really important motivational tool if you're not taking those pictures early on, even when it feels terrible, because when you're seven months in and you need that little boost to say, actually, all that effort, those things that you don't want to do on that Thursday night when it's raining, they're working. It's mad. It's mad how effective that was at keeping me going. It's so true. And also, I think it does work at that moment in time. But then also say, if you fall off this this new and improve Sean fitness wagon now and you take I don't know another 
a three years where life gets in the way, you know, X, Y, Z. You can look back on those pictures and you could be like, well, I did it then, so I know I can do it now. And, it, and it's that that it works for as well. So I honestly do believe that, that pictures are pictures are the way to go. But again, it's just whatever you can cope with. If you can cope with scale weight, brilliant. If you can cope with taking measurements of your waist, brilliant. If you can cope with pictures, brilliant. If you can't cope with any of them, that's fine. Just then, then it might be a good idea to focus on what you're doing in the gym. You know, am I, am I lifting a bit more? Am I eating like what I should be? Am I, you know, trying to get a little bit fitter? And then the body will, the body will follow. It's just whatever your, your goal is, I guess. Which sounds very fence city, but it's not meant to be. On the, on the topic of measuring then, um, I realized that I completely derailed the conversation away from food about 10 minutes ago, but I know that, the, and let's, <laughs> let's ignore edge cases for a second, right? Because I'm definitely not qualified to talk on edge cases when it comes to things like eating disorders, sure. but for the general population and potentially the majority of those listening right now, it might not be important to track you know certain movements in the gym it might not be important to track your weight every single morning but how important is it to track your food to make sure you're within that calorie range and also how should one go about doing that what's the best app how important is it i guess that would depend on how much value you put onto your goal but if if we use an example of someone who really wants to then i would say yeah pretty pretty important I think everyone should do it at some point in their life just to have an understanding of of you know what what a calorie is how it works you know what they're actually eating because no one would ever question you if you said oh you know I'm going on holiday in 2 months I'm going to budget my money for it I'm going to put a bit aside and just have a pot everyone would be like oh, that's great well done Sean if you go oh, I'm actually uh, tracking my food they go why been weird it has almost like this negative connotation to it, but it shouldn't. So firstly, never feel like you can't do it. Like always feel like tracking is fine because it is fine. However, you don't have to do it for the rest of your life. Do it to get an understanding and then you sort of know what your body's eating. That's a little tangent. So I personally use my fitness pal. There are others out there. I've never used any others. That's what I use. I think it's good enough. And with regards to how like stringent you have to be, I personally don't think you have to be that stringent. Like I remember, like you said at the very beginning, you have your protein target, which is usually between, I would say around 1.8 grams per kilo of body weight, if that makes sense. So if someone weighs 100 kilos, keep the maths nice and easy, then you could argue they need 180 grams of protein a day in order to to build muscle to sustain that and it's always a good figure to aim for so i would say firstly hit your protein as a, as a minimum and that can be done throughout various forms like there's so many protein powders out there if you struggle it shouldn't really be an issue secondly then just worry about your calories for the average joe on the street and stuff worrying about carbs and fats it's not really relevant you will get enough throughout your general diet to, to not really worry about that Obviously, you could look at like hormones and stuff, but that's that I wouldn't really worry about that for now. I'd say hit your protein, hit your calories, and then yeah, don't get overwhelmed by it because if it's 
if you hit those two every day, you'll be in you'll be in a bloody good place. Guarantee it. So I would say yeah. And then when you're when you're tracking and weighing stuff out, like you don't really need to go to the exact gram or whatever. As long as it's within, you know, five to ten, you're not gonna be you're not gonna be far off. And then how do I word this without getting a cease and desist letter from a supplement shake company with a green logo? Um, what advice would you give to people who have been persuaded by their friend on Instagram who says, hey girl, that they definitely need this kind of, this shake program, this product, this mechanism to lose weight because it's almost marketed, all of these products, we don't need to name them because everyone knows what we're talking about. They're marketed as if they're different, as if they are the answer, as if they have some sort of silver bullet, which calorie restriction or surplus doesn't restriction is the wrong word there but you know what i mean um how would you persuade somebody who has sold themselves the dream they definitely need this shake or this snack or this bar that actually to a certain extent that's all nonsense you can eat anything you want just within those parameters that you've previously set out i i think it's really hard to because i think we've been so conditioned to sort of think you know if you if you want to lose weight, then you have to do this. People get bemused and bewildered and almost dumbfounded when you say you can still eat whatever you want and lose weight. It's almost like I I I find it hard to comprehend because and you probably do too because you understand it, but for someone who doesn't, if I tried to, you know, tell one of the old ladies in my street that you know she could she could eat whatever she wanted and still lose those five pounds. She'd be like, "Well, I, I don't have to do slim fat. Uh, I don't say that. <laughs> I don't have to do you know a a shake or whatever or a certain diet that you've that's been around for years or or you know that one where they meet in a village hall and stuff. It's I don't know. I don't think there is. I don't think there is a way to to tell people. And I think they sort of have to figure it out themselves. But what really helps is seeing other people get results from doing it that way. So if you are that that individual listening to this, being like, oh, I want to lose weight, but I know I don't want to do that, but all my friends do it, try and be the person who goes, actually, I'm going to try something different and see what happens. Because at the end of the day, there's no rush. Well, there are for some people, but there's no real rush to lose weight or to put weight on. You know, I know we all want everything instantly. But the difference between doing it over four months and five months is pretty it's pretty negligible. So try different things and find what works for you. And don't get me wrong, for some people those things work. Bizarrely, they do. But I would never recommend it because I think the idea of eating, you know, foods that you like and enjoyable and taste good and have good nutrients in is far more beneficial mentally and physically than what uh, you know a restrictive shake may be because let's not forget a lot of it is mental as well so if you're actually eating foods you enjoy you're more likely to stick to it you're more likely to stick to it you're more likely to lose weight then you're more likely to stick to it further good cycle what's the other cycle you don't like it you give up you fucking put weight on you try it again you don't like it you give up other vicious cycles so you want the good one not the bad one and so our, our imaginary person listening who has somehow ticked all of these boxes so far has um, got their why. They've got the fundamentals. They started going to the gym. They're comfortable. They've got their training program. Yeah. They're uh, doing yeah. their food. They're going all right. 
sleep and recovery. It seems paradoxical when you look from the outside looking in that doing nothing is really important to losing weight. Doing nothing is really important to being able to be active. Talk to me about the importance of rest and sleep. Again, anyone who has done some form of, of lifting will have fallen down the hole of doing too much. You won't realize it at the time. And then three to four months in, you'll feel it and you will feel fucked. But the, the importance of rest is, is probably arguably just important. And that's not me saying, you know, you can not go to the gym four times a week and go, no, I'm actually taking a, a taking rest days this week and do that every week. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> what I'm saying is I think sleep is arguably the most, obviously we all know it's important. You need sleep to live. But when you're lifting, exercising regularly, it becomes that little bit more important. Because as you know, when you go to the gym, you lift some weights that to put it in a very layman term you lift weights the muscle breaks down it repairs slightly stronger and bigger you lift weights again it repairs etc it's that sleep and that rest when that's when that's happening so without that proper nutrition that proper rest you won't recover and you won't get stronger etc etc and then it becomes a an overtraining issue and if you imagine say imagine you have a graph and it just has a straight line along the x-axis and every time you train the line comes a little bit lower and when you recover it goes up a little bit a little bit lower up a little bit you want to get eventually back up to that same that same baseline and to do that you need rest if you carry on training and training you're just going to crash so yeah sleep seven to nine hours every night and that doesn't mean that you can sit on your phone till 11 and expect then to sleep through till you know six seven in the morning and be fine try and have like a little bit of sleep hygiene as well you know and it's i don't want to sound like you know like a parent to everyone but you know as well as i do try and come off your phone a little bit try not to drink coffee too late or energy drinks too late you know just little things like that try and wind down in the evening and, and just get better try and get better sleep but the more you exercise, the more you hydrate, the better you eat, the better your sleep will be. Then you'll be able to train harder, etc., etc. And again, I want to caveat this because I know some people listening to this will have children as well. So if you have children and you're trying to do this, just do your best. You know, it's easy for me as a single man to get eight hours of sleep a night. That's quite easy. If you have children, you can't, you can't do that. So just do what you can do. If you can, if you can grab a nap with them in the afternoon, never feel guilty for doing that. You know, fucking go for it. If you can only get four hours a night, then adjust your training to suit that, because the priority should be, you know, training isn't always everyone's priority. It can be a secondary, but yeah, as much rest as is what's feasible. I think, although conceptually. I understood and believed all of this stuff just before we started recording. I was telling you about my second failed 75 hard <laughs> attempt and a bunch of things happened yes. at once, which made me have to just boot my ego out of the door. And for the first time ever, really, really accept that like rest and recovery is a complete fucking non-negotiable. It isn't like a conceptually nice thing that's a good to have. I got today 42, I think, of 75 hard. And I was doing a stripped back version, but essentially trained every day for 42 days. Throw into week five to six of that. 
the cold that I had, which I never really recovered from. I mean, I've hopefully edited it all out by by the time someone listens to this, but two and a half weeks later, I've been coughing during this whole chat. Um, And then kind of coping mechanisms which slipped in of ignoring my caffeine rule, no caffeine after midday, and I was like hammering coffees at 4pm to stay awake. And then probably the closest thing I've ever had to like real actual sleep deprivation these last couple of weeks and my sleeping pattern was just fucked. All of that together, it's almost scary how, and don't get me wrong, it's an extreme example, I'm not suggesting anyone should go to the gym 42 days in a row for a silly internet challenge, but it's scary how quickly it slipped in. I went from like buzzing and doing pull-ups last week to like genuinely this weekend if you listen to last week's podcast like my cognitive ability my ability to actually string together sentences is so so diminished crazy how quickly it happens and so for the first time ever i believe not that i didn't believe but i really believe that if you're not resting and recovering properly you're actually doing yourself a disservice you're not you're not running faster towards the goal you think you are you're actually running away from it it's so true and just just going off that point um, so that's your sort of like anecdotal effect of training too much and not resting enough. And I think a lot of people fall into that trap of more is better. And that's only something that I've come to realize sort of over the past, I was going to try to say in the past two years, that actually sometimes doing less is better because you can do it more consistently for a longer period of time. And I have, I follow an online program, you know, I pay for it. I enjoy it and it keeps me in check by not doing too much because I just follow that and it's someone else is worrying about my volume and what I'm lifting that day and that's fine I can deal with that if I was left to my own devices I would constantly in my head going I need to do more I need to do more I need to do more and so that is something that people go on with if you think that you're doing too much just you know 30 40 quid a month you can get someone to write you a, a group program and it's just enough just to stop you doing too much, if that makes sense. Because as as great as these people on Instagram doing these crazy challenges are, you know, sometimes they're not for everyone. And sometimes they are too much, as you uh, as you well found out. And and the thing is what happens is you got so buzzing doing those pull ups, then you had this little crash and stuff, and now you're like you'll go in and you'll beat yourself up about not being able to do what you did. But really, all it was is because you did too much too soon. So it goes back to the very first point we made. Slow and steady. Keep it simple. Consistency over time. And so the second to last little milestone I want to touch on is actually the opposite of that, right? Because sometimes it's really easy to slip into the trap of doing too much. And other times, we've all experienced it, it's really hard to win the mental battle with yourself to actually stick to something for any number of reasons right it might be that you're not seeing progress it might be that for external factors you're not well rested whatever it might be do you have and i feel like i asked you this on the first conversation we had i can't remember your answer but do you have any kind of methods or tricks for want of a better word that you know work on you or some of your clients that others may be able to borrow for those weeks or even at some points those months where just nothing feels like it's sticking and it's very hard to drag yourself out of the house and into the gym or drag yourself out for a run personally i feel extremely lucky because i think i've i don't have that but i guess that (laughs) that's a dark or we don't want to go mine comes from sort of like a i have like a guilt complex if i don't do it i feel quite guilty whether that's good or bad probably quite a negative thing but it does it does work for me um clients wise 
they found it very beneficial that they paid for something which is like it sounds cliche because you know it, well, it was my business model but if you invest in something you're more likely to do it so if you pay for a personal training session you are more likely to go to the gym because you're like fuck I've spent you know 35 40 quid on that I don't want to lose that so that that's a b can be like again the same thing signing up for a class like a gym class because it's like oh, my name is actually there so I best turn up otherwise you know x y and z so it's sort of like guilting yourself to go because nine times out of ten once someone's actually in that gym they enjoy it the biggest barrier is just getting there so again let's not you know blow too much smoke up james smith but he has that great rule of the 30 uh the four equals it the four set rule so if you're not feeling like you want to go to gym say on your program it's bench press you're going to go in you're going to do four sets of bench press. And if you don't want to do any more, you can go. But I guarantee you, you know, 85, 90% of the time, once you've done those four sets, you'll go, well, I suppose I could do four sets of, you know, rows. And then I suppose I could do four sets. And before you know it, you've done your workout. But it's that initial just sort of barrier of getting in. So I think that is a really good tool. Just that three to four set rule. Or actually like telling someone, so if you live at home or you live with your partner or whoever you live at, you know, I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow. Really? What time are you going? Oh, I'm going to go at eight o'clock. All right. Lay your clothes out ready. You know, set your alarm for an hour early. Be like, right, I'm going to go to the gym. Pull your gym clothes on. Just get in your car. You know, all those little things. Break it down. You know, break the whole journey down. Okay, I'm going to make my coffee. I'm going to get in my car. I'll go to the gym. I'm going to go and I'm going to do my four sets. And if if you do all that, you're almost like just just guilting it in. Sometimes think the idea of going to the gym and doing a big workout is very overwhelming. So my biggest bit of advice is just break it down into tiny little manageable chunks and then just tick them off one after the other. Even if you write it down, be like, put clothes on, make coffee, get into the car, go to the gym. You tick them off one by one. You'll feel like you've fucking run a marathon before you've even got there and it feels great. <laughs> I literally do that on the days when, and it's not even just for gym, just for anything. Like I will, so episode 102, I had Rick Pastor on, who is a productivity expert and he wrote a book called Grip and I use the grip methodology, which is like planning out fucking every hour of your day in a calendar. And I do that nine times out of 10 and it works really well. But on the days when I'm just not really feeling like it, as silly as it makes me feel, it doesn't, but I say as silly as, as silly as it sounds from the outside looking in, rather than having like client proposal, three hours, video call, two hours, I'll open up the app I use, Bear, which is like notes on iPhone, um, and I'll make a tick list and it'll be like, get out of bed, put on clothes, brush teeth. And it sounds ridiculous, but it's mad how even if it's kind of invented momentum because you're ticking off things that you were going to do anyway, seven or eight hours into that, you're like, I'm getting stuff done today now. Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting that you've you found that as well. It's really interesting as well if you, I can't remember where I heard it. I heard it once and it, it really rings true. And I use it a lot now. If you wake up in the morning, not so much a minute, but when I, when I was busy, um, you wake up in the morning and you sort of go, if I went to bed at the end of today, what would I look back on and think I've had a, I've had a good day today? And it might be something small as I've been for a walk, walked the dog, gone to the gym, had a good dinner. If I went to bed tonight and I've done those three, that's good. Or, you know, for you, it might be recorded a podcast, you know, done a bit of work for two hours etc you know what i mean like it, it doesn't have to be you don't always have to tick off 
10 or 11 things a day to have a quote-unquote productive day whatever these people say it can be small things and like the same principle like write them down if i can do these three things today i've had a good day and then you're never going to bed feeling like beat up and shit i don't want this to turn into like a you know a wellness podcast but it's, it works for the gym you know what what can you do in that session for you to walk away and go i had a good session today for some people that is to get a sweat on for some people it's to lift heavy for some people it's even just to get into the gym you know whatever you can do set yourself mini goals and just fucking smash them and you will feel great and then the ball the ball gathers momentum and before you know where you are and funnily enough that's how i want to finish because i want to ask you about this promised land which because it sounds like we i mean everything we've said sounds very complicated mm. and granular and like fuck it out there's a lot to do here i just click play on this video because i wanted to go to the gym a couple of times a week to to build arms um there is a moment is there not when you've been going to the gym for a few months where you've been eating the right food for a few months where you've been getting enough sleep and drinking enough water and looking after yourself where it stops becoming a big scary chore and it actually becomes almost like the lifeblood of your life and this incredibly positively addictive thing talk to me about the moment where you made the switch from I know that you've been gymming and being into fitness for a long time from our first conversation, but either you or your clients, you you must see this moment where something changes and it's not this chore. It's like this incredibly exciting, positive feedback loop that makes your life better by making your life better. I think, I think it's finding what you enjoy. And I think to do that, you have to, you have to do a lot of trial and error. All the clients came to me had very similar goals either get stronger or lose weight it was it was nine times it was one or the other but the tools in which to get there are vastly different person to person you know and finding what you enjoy is single-handedly the best thing you can do in the gym if you love just to lift heavy to loud rock music and you find a gym which elicits that that will become your church and your safe haven whereas if you love to get a sweat on and lift heavy and beat yourself up, a CrossFit gym might be the best place for you. Or, you know, if you want something in the middle, there's a lot of gyms in the middle. If, like you say, if you like slipping on a radar, you know, a pure gym or something where you put a code in might be for you. But once you find that place and you're comfortable going, the next step would then be just to find a program that works for you. Because actually following a program, I think, is so important and sort of almost too overlooked because people don't want to spend a little bit of money because they're like, oh, I could do this by myself. I did it for years. You find both of them and find those two bits of the jigsaw that fit together. At that moment, you will have that sort of semi-epiphany and you'll go, this is incredible. But it takes, and this is what I want people to understand, don't be put off if you don't find that within the first like few months. Like Keep fucking chipping away and eventually it will come. And you'll find your space, you'll find your program, and hopefully you'll find that little same group of people as well. And it'll all just click into place. You'll have these great workouts, and it won't be every day, but you'll have these great workouts and you'll be like, I'm actually excited to come back here tomorrow. Or And you'll be annoyed that you have to take a rest day, but you should. Because you'll be like, yeah, I'm buzzing to go again on Friday or whatever. And then you can see how it you know, benefits your life you know you might really enjoy hiking and you know if you go to the gym you'll be able to hike for longer because you have more energy and you're fitter 
And then you're like, well, if I keep doing that, I can go for longer there. And it all sort of starts to spiral and in a really good way. But I think, yeah, find your place and find your program and then marry the two together and, and you'll be in for a wild ride. And so, you know what, I'm going to throw a bonus question in because I know that when we do chapter four, your life will again for the fourth time be very different. What do you think you've learned <laughs> from the world of looking after yourself? Or empathy and and it's i don't that's that's a good answer but the the cliche answer is that everybody is different and everybody's journey is different everyone requires different things and not everyone can always how can i phrase this you might know what's right for someone but sometimes they'll have to go right around the houses to figure out for themselves before they can actually action it. So it's just patience and empathy, I think, could be the two words I would use. And anyone listening to this that's sort of struggling in their fitness journey and falling off, have have patience for yourself as well. Because it isn't easy. No one ever no one ever has found it easy. No one with a good body has found it easy. And if I can if I can leave on one last point, it's probably the biggest thing that i've learned personally and i know i know it's so easy to say and so hard to do but try not to worry how you look in your body try to understand how you feel in it instead and if you're if you can do everything you need to do in the day and not have any overriding injuries and you're happy then you're fucking winning it doesn't matter if you have a six pack or a big ass or big arms yeah they're good and people might give you a bit of validation for them, but if you can if you can go to work, do what you need to do, come home, walk the dog, play with your kids, get a good night's sleep, eat some good food, you're fucking winning, aren't you? So if I could give one bit of advice, it's just to always chase that rather than the aesthetic side of things. Amazing. That's a good place to finish. I think this has been a banger. I hope it has when people listen, but this is exactly what I wanted to get out of this. I wanted to, to create this kind of... Um, I mean, there's just, there's, there's nothing out there where you get everything that you need to know from someone who's actually been there and done it on how to actually start, which isn't just some sort of nonsense mechanism to sell. And so, yeah, thank you for this. I've really enjoyed it. And you know what? I'm excited for chapter four. I don't know what we'll be chatting about on chapter four, but I'm excited for it. Me too. <laughs> I also, yeah, it will be, um, it'll be weird. It's almost like documenting our lives through these podcasts. But one um, one thing I just want to say before we go, if anyone out there is struggling, even though I don't do it anymore, um, if they want to message me, I will always point them in the direction of someone who can, as I do have some good contacts, or you can just sort of push them in, into pages that they know. So same with you. You know, if you get anyone messaging you off this, just we'll push you in the right direction of where we think you can get some help. Never be afraid to ask. But yeah, Sean, it's been, uh, it's been splendid. It's been I've really enjoyed it. Thank you again.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.